if we assume that the left brain, which is where we are, our consciousness is in the left brain, that's the talking side of the brain. You know, they've done studies on people with split brains where they literally cut it in half. They cut the corpus callosum in half. And, you know, yeah, yeah, which is, seems completely crazy these days. And they have two different consciousnesses, basically. One consciousness controls the, uh, the right side, which is the left side of the brain controls the right side. And the right side of the brain controls the left side of the body. And what they found is that the right side of the brain and the left side of the brain have different personalities and different beliefs and different belief systems. Hello and welcome everybody. I'm here today with Bo. How are you, Bo? Good. Thanks, Perry. Thanks for having me. (laughs) I'm super excited about today and I I just want to quickly share something with the audience. Um, This is my first podcast in a while and many of you know I've done many of them. In fact, I've spoken in public for over 30 years. I've done thousands and thousands of presentations uh, worked at lots of conferences, ran all sorts of workshops. And I have to say that preparing for today, I was more excited than any other presentation I've done. And I was sort of thinking about why. And there's a simple reason. Whenever I've gone away to present, I've, I've been presenting, working with investors around behavioural patterns or their psychology as investors, or I've been working with business owners around building their businesses or entrepreneurial behavioural profiling. And today I get to talk about anything that I want. And just heading into this, and this will set this up, there's a lot about my life I've never shared because I couldn't share it in those forums. And uh, I've had a weird life, very, very weird life, which I'm going to quickly talk about before we get into the conversation today with Bo. Uh, as a person, I'm having incredible leanings to learning and academic learning and knowledge. I feel like it's really important to develop logic. But I was also born in a, into a body that's had all sorts of what people call metaphysical or paranormal uh, spiritual experiences, uh, awakening experiences. Um, that have gone on for me for years. And in fact, they've been very strange experiences. So it's been quite weird living in a body that has a strong intellectual logical bent and then has all this weird stuff that's gone on over the years and all these sort of developmental breakthroughs that have happened that are are very, what are typically sort of talked about in the metaphysical or the spiritual traditions um and 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 then we throw into the mix you know i'm a kiwi who's played rugby and was a fighter for his life like again it's just like the polarities of 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 my life and so you know it's been an interesting life but it's been a lonely one in a way as well because you have all those experiences and you also you don't fit with all the spiritual people because you're logical and you don't fit with all the logical people because you have all these other things going on and here i am with Bo Chasling. Now, Bo, <laughs> I've known since he was zero. In fact, I think I saw him like four days after he was born. And uh, here we are with Bo. And Bo is a person that I can talk to these things about. And in fact, I'm really excited to present him and uh, to, to bring him out into the public domain because the guy is a phenomenon. His, his, he is a phenomenon, and I'm not going to talk too much about that. You'll see that. But he has a brain. It's just incredible, and it's, a, it's wonderful to talk to someone like Bo um, at 15 who knows more than most people. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> Bo, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. What are we talking about today? Um, well, you had a pretty good introduction there, pretty good introduction to what we would be talking about. I was thinking um, – well, I was thinking about the logical side, the materialist side of what we call spiritual enlightenment. I've been thinking about this for a while, actually, about, you know, a couple of months now. And, um, well, I was just thinking about what spiritual enlightenment really is. And uh, we had a conversation about this. What do you think? 
Um, I don't know what it is. I'm going to share an experience that I've had in my life. Um, and it's going to be interesting because as, as we communicate about this, I'm thinking about Sam Harris. Mm. And so I'll probably be going to looking at, say, some of the spiritual traditions from this perspective or, or, or to look at the spiritual tradition models versus a brain science model of this. Mm. So the, the, the experience which I haven't shared in public, I haven't shared it with many people, I shared it with you a little while ago, was um, many years ago I hopped off a plane from Sydney and when I hopped off the plane it was instantaneous uh, and no words will ever do what I'm about to explain justice. Um, yeah, that is just can't do it justice. Mm. So I hopped off the plane and all of a sudden, uh, like a, a, a blinding light, I didn't exist. Now, that's not the right word. I really existed in my most fullest form, but there was no sense of I. So as an example, and I'm, I'm probably going to try and paint a picture here, Bo, for a moment. I would look at someone, they might be telling me about some problems they had. And I, I, could, I could see this, the seriousness of, of their problems and how they can see, but there, there was way more to them. They weren't their problems. In fact, the, the, the best word I could use is oneness. It's like everything I looked at was me. I am that. Mm. In, in that experience, there's no way I could be born and there's no way I could die, right? Mm. I was primary. Another way of saying that was I was primary to all things. And, and yeah. that just didn't include people. That included anything that I looked at. Like, and, and the only words that, that I could sort of conjure up is, is say, say from the Buddhist tradition where they talk about oneness manifesting as all things, that there is this one thing that manifests in all forms. That was my living reality and experience, and that stabilised me for three and a half months. And Sounds very psychedelic. It, it was really interesting, Bo, because I've had psychedelic experiences, uh, more psychedelic experiences than that, which we may talk about, was it similar? Uh, no, this was really different, Bo. Th this was, oh, my, you got me sort of really thinking about things. So this one itself was a sense of this is the most real experience I've ever had. Yeah. That's, that's how I can define it. I, I felt like I was immersed in reality, that I was reality, and you are reality. If I was with you, you were it's, it's just one thing. Now, yeah. if, I, if I can point to... Because it was quite ordinary in some senses compared to many of the other weird experiences I've had, which we we'll mm. may dig into, which I, I think sort of more align with, you know, what people are seeking when they have, um, when they take psychedelics or, um, uh, you know, ayahuasca or things like that. I've had many of those types of experiences uh, without drugs. I've actually had way more phenomenal experiences without yeah. drugs. I, I have had the, uh, yeah. the, some of those drugs that which I think we'll talk about. But so it was way more grounded than any of those experiences, Bo. I, 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 you know, that, that, that whole saying, uh, enlightenment, wait, you know, you, you still chop wood, carry water. I, I, you still yeah. get about your day. Very, very yeah. normal. Mm. But I was not attached. So, so another way of communicating it is I, I wasn't attached to anything. I couldn't die. You're an observer. What was that? You're an observer. I was an observer. I was an absolute observer. But here's the thing, and you'll get this, right? Um, this is a really hard thing to explain. I was that that was observing. Mm. I was that that was observing. I was the ground of being might be another word of it. You know, I, I, I was all that is. And, the, the, and when we say I, that's not the ego I. You were the same thing. So when I looked at anyone else, they were that. It's like I would look at people and, you know, as I said, they'd be complaining about things or they'd be really happy about things. But that, it, that to me looked like that wasn't reality. That was an illusion they were in, right? They were like characters. Yeah. Right, right? They're betraying themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, now, so, so what I did, and I'll hand back to you in a second, because I mean, one of the things we're going to probably look at is, 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 you know, 
Sam Harris. And for those of you that don't know Sam Harris, he runs a great podcast called, um, oh, geez, I forget what it's called. Is it Waking Up or something? Uh, something I, like know, that. I actually haven't listened to it. <laughs> oh, have you never listened to Sam Harris? No. Oh, I've listened to Sam Harris. I've listened to his debate with Jordan Peterson. But apart from that, um, not much, no. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, the expert on this one. <laughs> yeah. So, Sam Harris, a uh, uh, lifelong meditator, but materialist mm. neuroscience. Yeah. He, he's, he says that everything that I've just shared with you just happens in the brain. Yeah. That I can is see not, that. Yeah. I, I think that happens in the brain, but, you know, you and I will have these debates. I, 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 I think that, you know, and both of you are probably heading in a similar direction now, where potentially it, it, we know it's happening in the brain, but I also feel like it's potentially in a, in a phenomenal experience of consciousness itself yeah on, on well that. i mean potentially it happens in the brain and potentially it doesn't <laughs> yeah 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 exactly yeah you know? so that that that's Maybe why both. It, yeah it could be both well it probably has to be both yeah right? if the brain yeah, is mean, a vehicle for consciousness um, most people are so extreme they're either you know scientific and materialist or they're spiritual you know there's as not really any room in between. You know, it could well, be that it was in between. What, what was that last bit, Bo? Sorry? Well, most people, they're either, you know, materialist or they're spiritual. Correct. And it might be that it wasn't materialist or spiritual. It might be somewhere in between. I want to take this somewhere because I want to go to you and I think you and I are the same, right? Yeah. So one of the struggles that I, that I often have with, with spiritual types believing they've arrived at the truth and then I'll go to the materialist types and they believe they've arrived at the truth where I feel or, or believe that truth easy to arrive at that's simple where mm. um, I'm digging I'm I want the science I I, yeah. I I would question that experience so when they had that experience I'm willing to question is Perry going crazy <laughs> right is is Perry is Perry going crazy has he got a brain problem yeah, well, I mean, okay. it's completely subjective. Correct. You, know, you never really know. Yeah. So I communicated some people. I actually went and sought out some teachers when I had that experience, Bo, and I went and sought them out, and they said, oh, you're having a classic awakening or enlightenment experience. And, um, you know, that was their viewpoint. But I was going, well, maybe I'm going nuts, right? Maybe I've got a brain tumour that's tuning to... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I think both you and I do look for where do you, I don't fully stand in the spiritual camp. I don't fully stand in the materialist camp. I, I'm trying to find my way. I'm trying to find the truth of things by uh, looking at both. And, I, and to be honest, I take great humbrage to science because science is evidence seeking. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. What's your take on, on that experience that I shared? Um. Well, the problem I have with the whole spiritual thing is that if it is, you can't really ever know. You can't really know whether it was spiritual because, I mean, you know, there's, there's no evidence for spiritual things. No. But in essence, you can't prove them, right? Because it's, it's spiritual. So I tend to just go for the uh, materials route and say that, you know, your brain stopped going through the traditional... Um, normal pathways, maybe it connected up with the right brain a bit more, which is what we were talking about the other day. And um, and you just experienced a whole bunch of hormonal changes, which completely changed your perception of, you know, the entire universe and those around you. But, I mean, that doesn't completely satisfy me. I don't think that it is that. I think that if it is neurological, there's something much deeper going on, perhaps some kind of connection between the left and right hemispheres of the brain. Or, you know, it's spiritual. It's something much deeper connected to the energy of the universe or, you know, something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, well, we're, we're, we're both the same, I think, in that way where we mm. are looking for, yeah, I, I want evidence. And so yeah. one of the things that I love about science is, well, you know, I, I can talk about the, that experience and, and other even weirder experiences, mm. which we probably will get into. Um, that point at something, and, and then if you if you fall into the spiritual side of things, you'll claim it as, you know, this proves that. And I'm yeah. going, well, no, that, yeah, I've yeah. had these experiences, but does that prove? What does that prove? Like, <laughs> right? Yeah. Where science is always looking for the proof. 
what I do find in both camps, and I do find is how, this would be my critique of Sam Harris, by the way, which I find phenomenally intelligent human being, but I believe he's sort of arrived at a truth that he can't move past, and you see that in Jordan in his debate with Jordan mm -hmm. Peterson. But I feel, and most of the super intelligent people I know, or just very intelligent people I know, tend to live in a question and don't, yeah. yeah. Would you agree with that? What's your take on that? That's what you should do. Anyone who says that they have the answer is wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, my, but my, my yeah. Types or materials types, it doesn't matter. You know, no one has any idea what's going on. Well, this is, you and I talk about this. Oh, geez, I think about this often, Bo. Um, Be agnostic right. to everything. <laughs> what was that? Be agnostic to everything. Yeah. Now, why? You know, you and I, we have this conversation. What did you say once about, you talk about the cities, an ant in the cities, or you've got this real. Oh. Yeah. Well, this is just from a materialist perspective. I was saying, um, you know, there's certain questions that our brains simply don't have the capacity to solve and likely will never. You know, a cat has no idea how we get the food. It knows that it comes from the pantry and it knows that we pour it in the bowl. But apart from that, it has no concept of what, you know, the store is or how, what money is or anything like that, right? They're just beyond its little tiny cat mind. And it's the same thing with the ants on the anthill. And it's the same thing with the bacteria on the anthill. And it's the same thing with the atoms which make up those bacteria. Now, who's to say that, you know, us humans are so great and we've solved everything? Of course we haven't. There's going to be heaps and heaps of concepts like, you know, these spiritual ones that we're talking about, perhaps, maybe they're solvable, maybe not, that are just completely beyond our cognition. You know, we are simply not intelligent enough to solve them. And my theory is that we've been that we aren't, you know, we're, we're, we're not the people in the city. We are the atoms which make up the bacteria which live on the anthill, which lives beside the city, right? The metaphor being that there are species out there which would be the gods of our gods, which for us would be completely omnipotent, omnipresent, just creators of the universe, you know, like we are to an anthill or like we are to bacteriums. Oh, I totally, uh, that, that's my view as well. My, my, like my, mm. my metaphor for that or analogy yeah. for that is that the, there's, a, there's a cell in my stomach, right? Yeah. And I'm driving to Woolworths to get an ice cream. Well, I don't eat ice mm. cream, right? Um, but anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm driving to Woolworths to eat, you know, I don't know, buy something, some beans or something. Something healthy. That, yeah, yeah. That, that, um, that uh, uh, cell, that, that's got no idea that, that I'm going to Woolworths. It, it, it's, it's in its little universe and it knows yeah. nothing outside of its little universe. And how's this for a viewpoint, right? So if, if you take that cat, that cat, and this, by the way, once, once we get into, say, some of the other discussions, because today's not the end of these discussions, yeah. Uh, 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 like the cat, think about this today, the cat has its perceptions and it can't go past its genetic perceptions. What it's being predisposed to in regards to its perceptive abilities, it can't go past that, which means it can't understand anything else out of sight of what it yeah. has been, right? Now, yeah. just think about the arrogance-ness of yeah. human beings who they're think sure. they know, who yeah. are so sure yeah. they're right, right? It's just, <laughs> yeah. Bo, in preparing for today, I, I was thinking about this because I knew you you know, you, you started some questions with me last week about psychedelics and ayahuasca and things that open up the mind. And, and I was thinking to myself. Uh, I have an interesting thought that your viewers might find very interesting. Um, the difference between us and the cat is that we have, as far as we know, the necessary knowledge to improve our own brain capacity through, you know, Neuralink or some sort of computer technology or genetic engineering. So as far as we know, we could expand our brains to the point where we eventually would become gods. And the cat could never do that. So that's, well, that's the only thing which differentiates humans. We have the potential to reach the God level status one day. I agree with you and I want to park that for a second and yeah. I agree with that and I love that. And one day I want to do, I want to interview you on these subjects because I know that you have a real expertise in, in that yeah. area. You're asking me now about 
some of the things that I know. I want to be able to ask you about those things in the future. I want to postulate this. I was thinking today about, so say that experience that I just shared with you before, yeah. okay, and many of the other experiences that I've had are, are what, what are considered awakening experiences. Every one of those experiences has made me a better person. Yeah. Now, I was thinking about this. I was thinking, well, isn't that interesting? So someone doesn't have an awakening experience or an experience through psychedelics of, of, of going beyond a filter in their mind and experiencing something grander and greater. I've never heard of it anyway, but they've come out back from that and go, you know what, I'm going to go murder my mum. Yeah, right? none of them. None of them. Right. So, so because this comes back to that thing where you're talking about hooking out that, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? That's uh, Elon Musk. He's into all the Neuralink stuff. And I know that you've got a big thing. But yeah. think about this, right? So even, even those awakening experiences, whether you've had them through meditative traditions or through plant medicine, tends to evolve the person and make them a superior version of themselves. And then I want to yeah. share something else, and this comes back to what you were saying before. I have also had this experience, and I know you and I have communicated a bit about this, that after lengthy periods of meditation, my intelligence increases because it's no longer tied to my ego structure. I no longer need oh, to be yeah. right, right? Yeah, so, I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty light meditator compared to you, and I've experienced that myself, you know? Yeah. Like, it's just you're able to see things that you wouldn't normally see like both literally and um metaphorically you know you're able to perceive things that you wouldn't normally perceive you're able to control your emotions better just all of these things and you literally get more intelligent just simply because you know the amount of gray matter on your brain increases like it's oh, just yeah, yeah that's right yeah i've had um i've had a very very light version of what you're talking about and i've told you this, this about i've told yeah share it you, uh, and um, story and I just had another one yesterday, actually, when I was up on the hill. Um, so I have this little place where I like to go sometimes where I, when I like to meditate, it's up on top of this hill. It's incredible. And um, I'll just sit there for, you know, an hour or so and, you know, observe the breath. <laughs> yep. And one time, this is about a year ago now, as I was breathing in and out and in and out and in and out, um, I noticed that I could start to hear everything better. You know, like, like I was focusing on the breath, but I could start to hear everything around me. You know, even though I was focusing on the breath, I could kind of focus on that as well. And I noticed I could, you know, feel everything that, that I was sitting on and I could smell everything around me. And then I opened my eyes and I noticed that even though I'd be looking at one particular thing, I could see everything in my periphery much, much better. And that lasted for about a minute and then went away. And so I would say that's a, that's a very light version of what you're talking about just with the senses of being a you know objective observer where you're not focusing on one particular thing because of your ego you're able to just kind of perceive everything and that happened that exact experience just yesterday and it was it's awesome you know you come back you're happy you're better and you just for how long <laughs> how long did you have that for how long did that stay how long did you have that again a minute two again, minutes about, yeah about a minute but okay. afterwards, it's not, I retain it. You know, I retain the knowledge. I retain some of it. It's awesome. Well, no, that's, re that's yeah. really, really interesting. So notice when you had that experience, I guarantee you've experienced a couple of these things, the living aliveness. Does that make sense? The living aliveness. Like, uh, okay. Mm -hmm. It's almost outside of yourself is a living aliveness. Like, are you saying like, like you feel part of, you know, some greater consciousness or something like that? Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the living aliveness is, is so, you know, you walk around and say if you're like a, a really good way of explaining, so, you know, your ego contracts and ego contracts, it solidifies into an I, right? The sense of yep. an I, right? And that's most people's walking reality. When you have that experience, I guarantee your sense of I is expanded and more fuller and takes in more does that make sense yeah i noticed um especially and my dad can probably corroborate this um i don't think that my experience was necessarily powerful enough to create that sense but what i did notice is that i was much more accepting of just 
everything in general afterwards. You know, mum was stressing out a bit afterwards and um, and I was just going, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it wasn't, it wasn't, again, it wasn't an extremely powerful experience like yours. It was just kind of, uh, you know, a good little pick me up sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. So, but in that, what happened to your nervous system after that, right? So that, that guaranteed changed your nervous system and also changed what was happening in the brain. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, again, I was able to observe better. I was able to feel everything better. I wasn't just focusing on one thing, you know, I was able to kind of, feel the seat that I'm sitting on and focus on what I'm doing at the same time. So then, and, and I really want to go here. I just reckon it's important. Yeah. Like we're going to bounce all over the place. But that's well, that comes back to what we're saying. That, that's how we define spiritual enlightenment, right? It's a scale. And at the very start of the scale, there is someone who is completely egotistical. And at the very end of the scale, there is a perfect unbiased observer who is simply able to see everything and accept it for what it is. I totally agree with that. There are, and also within the enlightenment traditions, there are actually different levels within that. So there's yeah. observing awakening, and yeah. then there's awakening to bliss states, which I've mm. only had little glimpses of. Mm. So, uh, I, <laughs> right, I actually had one the other day, and I want to come back to a very practical thing because I, I, a very practical thing, but I just, well, I had another experience the other day where I was actually running a training. And uh, I was showing people how to work with parts. So our personality is made up of parts. And I was explaining yep. to myself, uh, I was using myself as an example, and I said, okay, I felt tired before I ran the training. I said, I'm going to go right into my tiredness. And I went right into my tiredness, and I could see this personality. And this personality goes, oh, I'm so sick of it because I've been grinding for about yeah. eight months. It's just not been great mm -hmm. after COVID. I'm sure yeah. your dad understands. I've been yeah. grinding in, in the pivot for my business. And it's like, uh, and, and so these characters, I mean, like, I'm sick of this. It's so hard. Uh. Yeah. And then on the, other, on the other side, there's another characters that are really excited. That, and, and I could just see the two polarities within my psyche. Yeah. One's like, oh, God, I'm so sorry for all this work. and da, 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 Tired. I'm just been doing a work I don't really enjoy, which I haven't done lots of my life. I mean, fortunate enough to mm. do work I enjoy. Um, anyway, and then I've got this other side of me going, oh, I'm so excited about what's coming and what I can teach. And da, 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 da. Okay. And then, then I had this. Oh, what's just oh. happened? You're gone. No, I'm coming back. I just bumped. There we go. So, so <laughs> then. But then, right, again, and this is what happens with these experiences, I felt this really strong force in my chest and this just love, right? Mm. It sound like hippy-dippy stuff. Yeah. And I could look, I could sit between both polarities, both polarities in the observing awareness, but at the same time I had all this love. It was so strong, it was actually hurting my heart. Now, I I'm wonder, still, uh, yeah. because they have proven that, with extensive meditation, you get heightened, um, you know, good hormones like oxytocin, which of course is, you know, the love hormone and serotonin. So I wonder if, you know, through this, your brain just decided to release a whole bunch of oxytocin and serotonin. I wonder oh, if I, that is the explanation. From a strict materialist perspective, that is what I would say was happening. I, I, but first of all, I guarantee that was happening in the brain. Yeah. However... Is it okay. the cause or the effect? I reckon, the it, I reckon it was the effect. And, and right. again, you, you know and you know that I don't postulate anything as a truth. We just truly don't know. Yeah. Yeah. We, tru we truly don't know. In the Taoist traditions, which I was trained as a meditator in, there are, they, they postulate energy centres. Mm. And, and these energy centres, what they'd call the chakra systems in some of the traditions, and we would meditate on the, this, this to me had the experience of, and I've had this many times in my life, right? Again, this is my experience. It may not be correct, right? This might yeah. be my mental model and map, but it feels like it comes from the outside. It's like, and then, then that's triggering the brain. It feels mm. like another force other than, I've had many experiences of love. I've gone fortunate enough to have a family where I experienced a lot of love and I understand what it's like to have lots of oxytocin. This felt, feels completely different. actually feels metaphysical or newness. Yeah. may not be, but that, that's how it feels 
and I'm, I'm still unpacking it, but I just want to ground this for one second, Bo, because I think this is important. Like you said before about scales of enlightenment, right? Yeah. And I love what you said, right? Because you might be an uptight egotist who has to be right and you walk around with a whole bunch of stress. If you meditate um, and you meditate for half an hour, like Bo said, you just come out an improved human being and all the science will yeah. show you that. Or just isn't won't you, Bo? Yeah, just subjectively. You'll know that you feel better. You're going to feel stressed yeah. out and you'll be able to observe that stress when it comes and go, I don't want to be stressed. <laughs> well, that's the other thing. I, I just want to quickly share this. I reset my brain with meditation, Bo, because my mum has nervous anxiety. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I had nervous anxiety, like just an anxiousness. I'd just be mm-hmm. anxious all the time. My brother, gifted musician, he'd have it too. He st- I think he started meditating. Finally, he used to tell him, you've got to meditate. And so mm. I reset my brain to completely change that, interesting enough, because I would just, I remember when I decided that I was going to do something about the, the anxiety, I meditated three times a day for no less than 20 minutes, but mostly 40 minute to an hour meditations. That's a discipline, obviously. Yeah, definitely. And oh, I, think it took, yeah, <laughs> I think it took me six months. And after wow. six months, it changed me. I, I, I was... I reset. Does that make sense, Bo? I reset. Yeah, oh, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. And, and so what stabilised me in me was a calmness. And then any time I felt nervousness, I'd reset my nervous system. I probably healed. I probably would have healed trauma or even rewired my, my brain structure so yeah, that yeah, my amygdala yeah. wasn't being triggered all the time. Yeah. Yeah, right. Um, I wonder, and this comes back to what we were talking about the other day, um, well, first of all, isn't it insane that this practice of sitting down and observing the breath and observing the thoughts and what happens in your mind does all of this? And not only does it, you know, do all of this subjectively, it changes your perception of the world, but objectively, you know, from a materialist perspective, again, it literally changes your physiology. You know, it changes your brain. It makes it larger. It makes the connections between the neurons stronger. Like it's, it's just, we never really sit back and take a look at what this, what this actually is. You know, you're just sitting down and observing the breath and not doing anything. And yet it does all of this crazy stuff. You know, it, it does oh, make yeah. a spiritual argument, you know, because like, why else would this be here? Why else would this do this? Why would evolution give this to us? Well, you know, exactly. Like this. This when, is, did it when did it evolve to do this? Is it just a freak? Is it just a little, you know, quirk? Or is it something greater? <laughs> oh, Bo, this is what I meant before. It's like you and I, it's really interesting because, I mean, we've been having this discussion for about two, maybe three years, mm. right? And I, I've got to come back to what you said, but I just want to say something a bit funny. I remember... I want to just come to fully understand your perspective, you know, just... Yeah, I'm going to... I want to... Because <laughs> what you're talking about now is really important to me. And it's about where humanity is going. But I just want to say something funny for a second. Um, (laughs) I remember, I don't know how old you were. You might have been 12 or 13. But do you remember we were out in your balcony one time and your dad was away, so it was just me and you. There was probably less drinking involved because your dad was away. (laughs) It was just me and you. I might have had a couple of glasses of wine or what have you. Um, And all the ladies were inside. And I remember sitting and you're on a stool. Your legs didn't even reach the ground. And we were talking about... uh, the nature of human consciousness, right? And you were like, I think, 11 or 12 at a time. Just, just, I remember you, I was having this discussion with you, uh, uh, like I couldn't have any adult, any adult I know, and I remember I'd always be sort of looking at you and going, suddenly I'd wake up and go, look, God, he's, 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 <laughs> there we are. But back to that, this is really interesting. And I reckon you, I, I really want you to check out Spiral Dynamics. I, I, I think I shared a link with you years ago. I'm going to resend it to you. Okay, so here's where we're going with this. Meditation is a psychotechnology, and John Viveki is a really amazing person to study in regards to this. So a psychotechnology means exactly what you said before, that we can sit down and observe our breath, and that simple act is going to make us a more effective human being, able to operate better in the world able to deal with circumstances and challenges better, grows grows our intelligence, makes us calmer, makes us, and typically, and I think this is getting really interesting, it it makes you more loving. It makes you more understanding. 
it, 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 it eats away at the roots of the ego structure. So suddenly you don't become as important, more important than someone else. Yeah. So this comes back what you said. And then Terence McKenna, I think I shared something about him the other day, and I don't know if I agree with him because Terence McKenna was a really out there character, but he's no dummy. But yeah, he yeah. was going, isn't this amazing? He said human evolution and his perspective coincided with psychocinnamon, taking yeah. mushrooms. Yeah. Okay. Now, I I'm not going to believe it, but I can see where he comes from. Correct. And I, I'm going to go somewhere here. So we can see these are psychotechnologies in yeah. the same way that I said earlier that we don't have, if, you, if you're involved with any of these things and have these experiences, they actually make you a better human being. Yeah. Fully. Right. So, so what is it in human consciousness or yeah. what is it about human consciousness that drives this? And I'm going to go to the next one here. Truth, yeah. beauty, and love. Truth, beauty, and love, right? The, 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 you, the holy trinity in the sense of, I was thinking about this the other day, right? Because I actually think the world system's broken. I think you and I sort of pointed it the other day. I think the whole system's broken. I'm not a right winger. I'm not a left winger. I've just watched this whole game going on where people are controlled and they're thinking, tribal think, unintelligent, um, want to be part of something, right? Yeah. Um, and there's an ugliness. Like you could be the most powerful person in the world, and Jung talked about this. So you, you know, think of what's the name, Kim, you, 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 <laughs> like the, the top tyrant, right wing, yep. controller, right? You're the most powerful human being in the world. But are you, is that person truly happy, fulfilled? And, and I would say no, because I believe fulfillment comes from things that are more beautiful. Right. Well, our fundamental biological systems dictate that fulfillment would should come from you know child rearing and being successful within the tribe, whatever tribe you pick, and being more successful mainly than the others in your tribe. So if you're in a tribe of billionaires, you want to be a trillionaire. That's the whole point. And um, but I mean, you know, I've said this to you before. Those biological systems, they're broken. Correct. They, how about this? I'm you know, sorry, I'm going to interrupt you. I want to throw something uh, at you. If you want to transcend them, you do it through meditation. That's how you do it. So, so then I want to postulate this. Stages of development. Okay. So let me put it this way. I was thinking about this. Take me now. I'm 54. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself the other day, I, I, I couldn't care less about big houses anymore. I couldn't care less about those things. Mm. Right. Right. So we know, and, 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 and you have a great, you've got better knowledge around history than I have. And, and there's things that you've got way better knowledge than me about. So you will probably flesh into this, but let's, let's let me set this up. Um, that survival of the species. So if I look inside myself, I'm, I'm a, a really good model is I'm half animal. Yeah. And I'm logical. And then I've got this other stuff to be good. Mm. Right. So I think about this morning when I look at my wife, right, and she's she just got out of bed and, and you know, <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm going to get an erection. Right? <laughs> I see her. She's got boobs. I'm going to get, uh, right. And, and, and yeah. um, you know, as, as an ex-rugby player and fighter, I know what it's like to, 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 to that be highly testosteroned up and get in a fight, right? And that, all yep. that sort of animal stuff of things are, 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 are threatened. But also in this thing is this other thing that's awakened. Uh, it's got, maybe that's what's happening with human species, that, yes, we're going through animal stages. If we go back into the Vikings, the most – like mm. think about the, the, that show, The Vikings, we're the most powerful warrior, you know? Yeah. He, he, he killed and slaughtered the, the other villagers – family, yeah. the, the babies, and, and, and they raped all the women and, and they come back to their village and they're like, all the women love them, right? Yeah. Did that. yeah. Right? Yeah. Now that's not accepted. So, yeah, yeah, you know what I'm pointing at. So, so yeah, you know, no, I know exactly. you're in biology. Um, and this goes back to something extremely interesting. Um, the left brain, right brain, the left brain, right brain split. Because if we assume that the left brain, which is where we are, our consciousness is in the left brain. That's the talking side of the brain. You know, they've done studies on people with 
split brains where they literally cut it in half. They cut the corpus callosum in half. And, you know, yeah, yeah, which is, seems completely crazy these days. And they have two different consciousnesses, basically. One consciousness controls the, uh, the right side, which is the left side of the brain controls the right side. And the right side of the brain controls the left side of the body. And what they found is that the right side of the brain and the left side of the brain have different personalities and different beliefs and different belief systems. And so this disproves the idea that the two hemispheres are completely identical. They are a mirror image of each other. And if they're split, it'll just be, you know, two identical people. It's not like that at all. There's two different consciousnesses and they interact with one another when you've got a um, proper corpus callosum. And this goes back to the idea that basically the left brain is like a soldier on the ground and the right brain is like the general, right? And so the general or no, it's more like a committee of generals. And the committee of generals will give orders to the soldier and the soldier, you know, basically chooses which order to follow and then justifies why they followed that. So you might decide to go down to the store, you know, and buy the bad food. It's because you follow the general who said that you follow the, 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 you know, the part of your psyche, which exists in the right brain, which wants you to be gluttonous, or you might do the opposite. You might go for the healthy food. In that case, you follow the general or the part of your psyche in the right brain which um, wants you to be healthy and good. And then, you know, and there's a whole bunch of different things like this. You know, so so just... what informs the right brain in your opinion? So, so is, is your right brain, right, and what's held in the right brain, is that conditioned from your childhood, from genetics? Because I have a viewpoint around this. What, what's your take on that? I think, I think it's just conditioned, yeah. I think it's um, naturally designed to kind of give orders to the left brain. But it is also, but you know, what orders it gives are just dictated by its um, biological conditioning. Not sure though. Yeah, so I'm going to have a stab at this because I believe that the right brain, I shouldn't even say I don't even believe it yet. It's a viewpoint I'm sort of holding on to loosely. Yeah. yeah. The right brain is connected to. Okay, now I'm going to get, this is going to get weird in a way. I believe, right, that, yes, I believe the right brain is connected Mm. to universal consciousness and in universal consciousness there are archetypal patterns, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Right. And so, and and, and I just want to postulate this for a second. So if we go back to the old shaman traditions or any of the old traditions, you know, you finished work, you've been in the field, you've been out hunting at four o'clock, everyone got around, they sat around and they banged a drum. Boom, yeah, boom, 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 boom. and there's a particular beat, and and um, nowadays when they when when the scientists study that beat, what they show that beat does, it's a specific beat that lowers mm. the brain waves from beta down to alpha into th- into theta. Now, when the when the brain waves go, and you probably know this, so but I'll share this with everyone that may not. As the brain goes from beta, brain waves go from beta into alpha into theta. Um, alpha, we start to see synchronizations between the, the left and right hemisphere. Mm-hmm. So the, hem- the, the right hemisphere could now communicate to the rational side. And at that point, so that's trance states. By the way, Bo, I've, I've actively put myself in trance states for practical reasons. Mm-hmm. Well, I really want to make this practical for people. It's not just some spiritual metaphysical. But so they'd go in and, you know, and, and the the, the and, and suddenly someone's talking to the spirits, right? Yeah, yeah. And that trance state, right? Now, you know, if I just take it from a materialistic science perspective, I'm not thinking they're mad, but let's just say it's in the brain. They're, they're, they're connecting to something in them that has knowledge, right? Bring this back to the two brains before. Yeah. But I actually believe that we, okay, in, in the same way, uh, growing up where I grew up, there's some heavy-duty areas. If I'd go into a heavy-duty area, I could feel it. I'd walk into a pub, um, mm. and, and it, you'd feel that. The, the, yep. There's a li- living atmosphere and things, right? And so I, I, uh, a rationalist who, who can't connect to their right brain easily, and look, some people are more right brain than left brain, right? But So I believe that this right brain aspect is connected to universal consciousness, um, 
So all those old shamanistic traditions would lower the, lower the brainwave state so the person would have that synchronisation and yeah. all of a sudden they were seeing the future or having prophetic experiences or, or, mm. or, or, or right? Or and they're always connected to a god, by the way, as well. You know, it comes back to this idea of God. And also, by the way, um, I'm not exactly sure about this, but I think I remember reading somewhere that uh, psychedelics like ayahuasca and DMT and stuff, they do the same thing. They lower the brainwaves. And I know that they do this. They deactivate or, you know, turn down the default mode network and increase communication between each um, brain hemisphere. Oh. So you see the exact same thing in these drugs. And that's why I've always, um, I kind of believe that the hero dose of DMT, if someone was to do that and get to the stage where they completely dissolve into an um, objective observer, part of the universal consciousness, however you say it, you know, words don't really have the, the capacity to describe it. No, that, so that, yeah. That is the, the psychedelic um, hallucination, hallucinative version of complete enlightenment. That, that DMT experience, so I've had a low dose of that. Um, yeah. I've never had that full dose. That, D, that, that full bore experience that you just communicate about with the hero's dose, anything I've read, and by the way, have you, ever seen, have you seen the documentary The Spirit Molecule? No, I've heard of it. Go check on YouTube, The Spirit Molecule. It's really right. good. So, so anyone, that's, anyone that I've talked to that's taken that hero's dose of that, that that experience that I shared when we first started today mm. is exactly yep. what they tell me is exactly what my experience was in, in essence, right? This yeah, whole sense like of oneness. Instead of existing in the world, you're existing in the DMT realm. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Except all, see, on, on lower doses too, by the way, they, um, you know, you would have experienced this on your doses. They, they always, they connect to a different individual. You know, yes. like they see these aliens and stuff like Correct. that. Correct, I had that for life. Lesson, right? And so yeah. I've always thought perhaps that means that you aren't completely connecting to the right brain, but it is there. So you're not a part of it, but you can see it and it's teaching you. Whether with when you're on the hero dose, you are completely, you know, the left and the right brain are completely synchronized and you're able to just know everything that the right brain knows and feel how it feels. Oh, I love that. Both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so the more, the, the, more yeah. the more you take, the more the two hemispheres are synchronized. Maybe <laughs> you're probably hitting. Yeah, you're probably hitting. Like that may be the. And, and it, this comes back to what we were talking about before, right? And there's, there's a guy. I'm actually going to introduce you to him, who who who's a neuroscientist. This comes back to we have the infrastructure. It appears that we have the infrastructure for evolution, psychotechnology. Yeah right, that evolves us, maybe that is in, in that integration of those two hemispheres, we're reaching the upper level of our genius, right, yeah. in that oneness experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And by the way, and again, I, I, I want to just really ground this out for people. By the way, uh, Tim Ferriss, Tim Ferriss said that he doesn't know one billionaire in a Silicon Valley who doesn't take microdose with LSD when they've got important decisions to make. Mm, yeah right now uh, i think i said to you the other day that i just i put things to my right brain i call it my unconscious but i put things to my right brain so i've experienced where you have what i call muse or genius states in fact when i'm running workshops or i'm working with people and i'm just reading them it's there's something going on i can feel it i feel my, myself change but when we are able to enter altered states, so again, what is the hell is an altered state? An altered state, right, is for most people, it's just getting out of this logic and maybe opening up other areas of their brain. And so when we learn to meditate or when we learn to have some form of self-mastery using breath or whatever the technique is, where where our, our brains are operating more efficiently and are open to way more knowledge and knowledge that goes beyond logic. So my, my experience pretty much you know, 20% of my day is experiencing uh, information that comes from non-logic non um, areas, right? And so, so even on the most basic level, uh, if I've got a business decision to make, as an example, I'll go put on my little earbuds and I'll use, say, Schumann resonance, a resonance uh, mm -hmm. entrainment that will lower my brainwave states. 
and I will ponder on something, just soft ponder. And then these ideas come and I'll just write them down. And then this next idea comes and I'll write them down. And then I might do that for three or four days. So th th this is like a real basic businessman's version of what the shamans were doing, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not logic that gives me it. It's like it just comes to me fully formed. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's like when people say sleep on it. Because when you sleep, yeah. um, your brainwaves lower as well, right? They're lowering to the, is it the theta or the alpha? And so that would be, you know, connecting between the uh, two hemispheres and then it processes all the information that you had that day and it will make a decision for you. Yeah, that's right. What's going on there, right? Yeah, that's right. Same, that's the same thing. Yeah, totally. Now, I want to postulate something. We're going to get a bit weird here. We're going oh, sidetrack, but I reckon you'll love this. I already had <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've got to get, we've got to wrap up soon, but I, I really wanted to go here, right? So I, I was thinking about this today. So would we both, would you agree that these technologies, I'm calling them psychotechnologies, I've stolen that from John Viveki. Yeah. Unlock potentials. What do you mean by potentials? Okay. If you didn't meditate, you have lowered potential. So potential in insight, potential oh. in efficiency. Yeah. I wouldn't right. say they unlock potentials. I would say they allow us to surpass our limitations. Okay, great. To the ego and stuff like that. Great. Okay. I agree with that. Okay. Yep. And I was thinking about this today. So when we grow up, when we're, when we're, when we're born, we have a sense of isness, but you know, after all, you and I have talked about this, what, what, what's your identity? Because, you know, when I say, Bo, you respond now, but, mm. you know, you were nothing with no identity. And at that point, you were probably floating around in alpha brainwave states and theta brainwave states, having all sorts of influences, but your parents are around you, right? And you're absorbing yeah. everything. You've got your genetics anyway. It's an interesting thing. Um, you know, babies, they have, uh, even up to toddlers, they have no concept that anyone else knows anything other than what they know. And so they don't ask questions until a certain age. So that kind of suggests that they think that they're part of, you know, a more universal consciousness and they know everything that everyone else knows. Yeah, yeah, now that, that's fascinating. That's right. So when, we, when we're growing up, and, and this kind of, kind of comes back to this whole thing that you and I are talking about, well, how come we've got this psycho, this sort of, these abilities that tend to evolve and grow us, just from meditating, as an example, forget taking ayahuasca and psychedelics and that, which are, do the same, similar sort of thing for people. But, so we're growing up and here we are. I, I learned that my name's Perry. Yeah. And then after a little while, I pick up my parents' viewpoints on life. And then I, then I, I move through and I, I pick up this, these are my cultural viewpoints on life. And, and so all of a sudden I've gone from this really open, expanded thing, maybe like you said, pre-verbal, connected to the universe, feeling everything to now my ego's hardening up with all these points of view, mm. turning up in brain structures and, and developing maps of reality right, based on what I'm told. And not only that, if I break some of the rules of my family and my culture, I'm shamed for that. Like, Perry, you must follow the rule. And then, then, I'm, then I get older and I'm in this working world. And, and, again, if I go to the education system, I look at the education system, the education system was formed to turn me into a cog for a capitalistic system. And I can talk about when that happened. So, so if we look at the move from the agricultural age to the industrial age, all the yeah. great all the entrepreneurs, I forget what they were called at the time, you know, they're all the big factory owners and merchants. Businessmen. <laughs> What's that? Businessmen. <laughs> yeah, the businessmen, yeah. they aligned with the church and said, well, we need to train these bloody uh, country folk up who have been working in the fields to get them a bit smarter so they can work in the factories, right? Yeah, I think about yeah, this yeah. stuff all the time. So I go to school and I learn all these things about reality. They're passed down to me. Now, then what we do is... is we know, and you, you, we both know about confirmation bias, where the sense of we only see what we believe. So we know there's a brain tendency to only see what we believe, okay? Yeah. So yeah, maybe, it, goes, it goes pretty damn deep as well. Most people I think agree. it only goes towards politics and all that. 
But if you really, you know, meditate and stuff like that, you realize how deep it goes, how it plays into every single factor and every single decision in your life. Correct. So, okay, great. We we agree with that. So Mm. then we look at and we go, well, you've just said it. So here we are, we we live in these entrained realities. And and it's also really interesting, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, it's top down. So whoever whoever has the power decides what you are to think and what you are to believe. Yeah. Right? From parents to church. Well, it's not church for you guys. When we were growing up, it was church. And then then societies at large, right? So you learn all these things. And that whacks into your, your, your neural pathways and you just said it. Well, once you start meditating, you start to see it. You start to see how you have been conditioned, how you have been programmed, and mm-hmm. then you start to waken up to other realities, other potentials. And I'm going to say this, because, and I, before I say this, because this is controversial, I'm not a big one. Like I, I've got heaps of people that are into I know you're interested in this now and you're probably going to end up doing it at some point in time. Your parents are going to love me for this conversation. But anyway, um, uh, you know, uh, people are really into the ayahuasca and, and LSD and all those things. I've had, and I've had, I haven't had the ayahuasca, but I've had a lot of those plant medicines um, in, in my life. Um, I've had way more expansive and, and experiences just through my meditation practices. That, that's, and I prefer that because I don't need something. I'm, I, I'm not against that, but that's not my path. That, that's well, not you wouldn't really have as profound an experience if you haven't meditated first. It's like you know, it's it's like going it's like going and trying to ride a bike with no experience. If you already know how to ride the bike, then you can be able to have a lot more fun on it. You know, yeah, yeah, or, correct. Or, you know, go somewhere that you really want to go, right? If you've already meditated for a really long time and then you do these drugs, well, then it's going to reveal things that you actually want to be revealed, rather than just being you know a party drug or something like that. In the case of LSD. Correct. I haven't thought about that. That's good thinking, Bo. Yeah, that's right. The training. Like you're already doing that, you're all your meditation training, your discipline trainings, your insight trainings prepare you to handle that with more wisdom. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, here are these crazy stories, especially on um, DMT, where people go completely insane, you know? They go oh, I know the, yeah. nuts. And, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's because they didn't prepare for it. They didn't prepare for it properly. Well, no? I had I had mates who who went mad on the psychosyllabin on mushrooms, mm. so they ended up mental yep. institutes. Really interesting because you and I are going to interview. Okay, I'm not allowed to mention his name, but we're going to interview uh, the guy who's been going to the uh, forests in the Amazon. I think since the late 70s or 80s, and before any of this was mainstream. Mm. And uh, he's not a partier he's not even interested in that i'm a bit more of a i like going he's not he's an introverted guy lives in uh, an island off indonesia um and we're going to interview him because he talks about the preparation that he goes through before he 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 does these uh, before he takes ayahuasca but where i want to go with this in, in, in closing is that all these things tend to undo that don't they all that conditioning and this makes me really think about how, uh, say, psychedelics or plant medicine or meditation isn't given credence in the mainstream because if you're involved with those things, it would probably undo. It's, it's pretty hard for those in power to keep the racket going, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone would realise, you know, the what the what the monks realise, right? You don't have a productive society when everyone is just happy and is free of their biological impulses you know if you don't care about your reputation or anything like that then you're probably not going to make the best stock trader or billionaire or whatever (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's right all right great conversation by the way anyone watching um listening to this and if you're into this and you want to ask Bo some questions send them on through (laughs) Um, yeah send them on through Anything you want to finish up with, Bo? Um, no, I think we'll leave it for the next one. What are you going to do, Bo? What's your, where are you going with your career now? Uh, <laughs> i got some pretty lofty goals, as most kids do. I want to um, cure the fundamental problems with the human condition through biotechnology. Oh, through biotechnology. <laughs> Quick. Yeah. Just give yeah. everyone a glimpse of this side of you. Um, I uh-huh. know a bit about this side of you. Yeah, talk about biotechnology. 
a couple of minutes because I think it's amazing. This is amazing. So basically, you know, we have, uh, well, I've been talking about this a lot, right? I've been talking about how we have fundamental biological flaws with our brains. And um, if you were to change the way that hormones like serotonin, oxytocin, um, dopamine, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, are released, then you can make it so that humans are in a um, continuously blissful and loving state free of things like anxiety, depression, and, I don't know, negative emotions in general, disgust, where everyone's just kind of a happy, loving person, right? And then, and also, it'll make, them a lot, it'll make it a lot easier to discover things like meditation, and it'll make it a lot easier just to live. I mean, imagine these people in the future, they'll be going, like, look at these people in the past, right? Just like how we go, oh, they didn't have sewer systems, they didn't have cures for disease. These people will be going, they had to live with bad emotions we don't have to do that anymore you know this is classic because this is going to be perfect for ai right when when they're doing everything and no one's working anymore on this universal base income and some people right (laughs) (laughs) fantastic bro i absolutely loved it as usual uh anyone interested send through some questions we're going to go into that next time we talk (laughs) sweet thanks everyone thanks bro